You're listening to Remote Possibilities, a podcast on the intersection of technology, society, and education, brought to you by MarketScale. Now here's your host, Kevin Hogan. Okay, hello. With me today is Brian Thomas, President and CEO of Lightspeed Systems. Brian has focused his career on empowering schools to use technology more efficiently in order to improve learning outcomes. His passion for education and equity has taken him around the world, helping schools pioneer mobile learning programs that put safe and easily managed devices into the hands of all students. Under Brian's leadership, Lightspeed Systems has been recognized as an industry leader and has been listed multiple times on the Inc. 5000 as a top-growing company. Lightspeed software lets you filter, manage, monitor, protect, and analyze data across operating systems, both on and off network, for a truly comprehensive platform. Districts can allow or block sites and apps, control device policies and web access, monitor and report and all activity. The system gets everyone the information and the controls they need from the classroom to the IT office. And Brian, at, at, the, uh, at the expense of uh, dating both you and I here, uh, you've been doing this since last century, am I right? Uh, yes, for sure. I think we've probably known each other for over 20 years, and uh, we have quite a bit of experience in this space, so I look forward to getting to chat with you. And I think in all those conversations over all those years, I don't remember pandemics ever really kind of coming <laughs> up. <laughs> right? well, it was not a concern of mine, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, I appreciate you taking the time to to speak with me uh, as we were talking before the recording started. You know, really trying to get perspectives from industry leaders on where they are. And when when I started this series in in May, um, you know, the topic of conversation was basically survival for both the companies and for school districts just to get through um, just to get through the spring. Um, the summer has seen that conversation change a little bit towards a short-term goal of surviving this year. Um, and now I see some, well, while we're still kind of right in the depths of the pandemic, uh, some folks starting to look forward and seeing where some of these can uh, progress and stick around once we're through all this madness. Uh, give, give us a little kind of a synopsis of your year starting March 13th. <laughs> Sure. Look, I think uh, what you're hearing from others is probably similar to what you'll hear from me, except that as a, you know, we, as a business who's been around for over 20 years and focused solely on K-12, we've been attaching our software to devices uh, to protect and prepare students that entire time. And those devices uh, increasingly became mobile devices over the last 10 years. And so we were kind of uh, lucky in that we had already built out the tools for mobility and, and already had software that was specifically defined, designed for devices that left the network. And so when the pandemic hit and the students went home, those districts who had solved it, or at least partially solved the connectivity problem or some basis on uh, remote learning and curriculum uh, were already the majority of our customers, right? We were, we were partnered with those school districts because they valued our ability to help them with mobile devices. And so yeah. uh, we've kind of um, not had as a painful experience as probably other uh, vendors have. 
Right. When you when you look at the so when that shift went to all remote, you had products and services that you were able to support uh, districts uh, that maybe already had something set up. Correct. It, you know, it's been a mix, and that's really the case. There's very few, and we work with some of the biggest districts in the United States and all over the world. There's very few that were prepared. In fact, yeah. I'd, I'd be hard pressed to find any that really had, you know, for instance, they might've had mobile devices and they might've even had some curriculum that uh, was digital or assessments that, that were digital, but they certainly didn't have a trained staff who knew how to use a, a Zoom classroom. Right. Uh, that was sprung on them immediately, right? And so all the challenges that came with that were true of, of our customers as well as customers who maybe didn't have devices going home yet. Yeah. Yeah, when uh, when I first started uh, the podcast series and used the, the the term remote possibilities and was focused on remote learning and distance learning and, and since then uh, through these conversations I've I've learned a lot about the difference between just making a connection and actually teaching right I mean there's a difference between remote learning and online learning in that you have curriculum developed you have teachers who have been trained to use it. You have courseware. Uh, all the spring was, and unfortunately for a lot of districts even now, all that's involved is making a connection uh, and having Zoom calls, right? Right. It is, uh, for those who've experienced it either as a parent or a teacher or are, are uh, involved in the school's infrastructure, you understand how challenging it is for these organizations and they're you know, we all have the same goal in mind is to make sure that these students get a, a great education. And and uh, it, it's our job to do that. I think as vendors, we could make a really big difference, right? And so yeah. uh, well, maybe you and I will talk a little bit about that today and, and I'll help you understand how, I, how I'm viewing it. But the, uh, the lion's share of our customers are struggling, um, but they have plans in place and they're rapidly making progress. I mean, the difference between the conversations I was having in March and April and the conversations I'm having now is very significant. So I think everyone should be optimistic about the future of this. Uh, it just took a little bit longer than we expected. And there's been a number of things that happened that no one anticipated, not just the pandemic. We certainly didn't expect a supply chain uh, problem. Right. Uh, we, can't, we can't get appliances or, or laptops to, to students uh, because there's a supply chain issue and there's a demand issue. And, you know, we, we certainly hadn't thought through as a, as communities, uh, how to make sure that we had a equitable solution, uh, and, and even an equitable internet connection situation. Right. So right. There, there's just so many things that are unfolding here and, and everyone is working really hard to solve them. And I'm seeing great progress from, from my perspective, but I, you know, I, I'm not sure what everybody else is seeing. Yeah. Now you mentioned, um, and in your, your product description, you mentioned uh, managing devices uh, both on the network and off the network. And in some of my other conversations, that seems to be a big issue when we talk about digital equity and that, you know, how how much that the lack of Internet access for such a large number of students in this country was really exposed um, in the spring and that how some of these technologies um it's important that they support learning even though you're not on the network. Can you go into a little bit more depth about what you mean when you're supporting devices both off and on a network? Sure. There's a, um, a, a capability that, and this is across all of our products and lots of other products out there, where if a device is on network, 
it's treated in a certain way, meaning you can manipulate it a little bit more. There's more tools that have it available to checking into your network. It gives you some visibility that you wouldn't normally have. If it then leaves the network to go to the student's home for an evening or for a weekend, that's nothing to panic over because you're going to see that device and its traffic and that student again in a couple of days. And you can correct things and you can understand things. And uh, when that device goes home and never comes back to your network, it needs to be enabled with uh, a, a whole different set of software, software that's, in our case, we have patented technology that puts an agent on every laptop. And once that's agents on there, we have, you know, great tools that we can apply and when we don't require it to ever come back to the network nor do we require it to uh, have some internet connection that connects the traffic back to the school network because it's a SaaS solution that we have hosted with our partner amazon uh, it's okay if the school network's not available or if the student doesn't have the strongest internet connection back to the school because um, we're trying to solve that through amazon and our and our agent but it drives me to um, help you understand another point, which is controlling the device and, and blocking inappropriate content and making sure that curriculum gets to the student and, and that the student's got safe content has almost become uh, less important mm. than just having visibility. The understanding that the, where the device is and if the student can even get connected to the internet is now a, a bigger conversation I'm having, you know, it's kind of surprising. Like, uh, you know, I want to talk about efficacy and equity and right. compliance and safety, but I really can't talk about any of those things if I have no visibility into where the student is or if they're logged in. Right. Right. And that's become a big focus. Yes. Yeah, so many things there. And I know, uh, your product, uh, and, and services a lot involved around, um, acceptable use policies and making sure that districts were compliant um, with the policies they were responsible for, as well as the, the policies that students and parents were responsible for in their relationship uh, with the district. <clears throat> it seems like that was another thing that happened this spring, especially when you talk about the use of, say, YouTube uh, from home, and not to mention screen time usage. Uh, a lot of those old um, policies kind of went out the window a little bit, right? In the, in this new world. Did you did you notice any of that happening with your with your customers? Oh, absolutely, Kevin. It hit us quickly. Um it was probably early April, or maybe it was late March. I um received kind of a a, a massive communication that said everyone uh who's uh, remote learning, uh we need all the teachers and all the students to start using Zoom. Hmm. And it was a couple of weeks later, Zoom had some issues and it was everyone turn off Zoom and use Microsoft Teams or some other application. Yeah. And, and then, of course, you can only imagine what that does, right? You've already, you've already asked uh, teachers and students and parents who have, who have no experience with one application to start using it. And then you've asked them to switch off to another one. And then only a couple of weeks, you know, this all happened in the course of about four weeks. You asked them to switch back to Zoom. Right. So, so rather than my software helping out with uh, to be sure that the YouTube content they're getting is safe or or that they're any of those things are working, we were, we were started working towards just helping the district understand 
you know, half of your teachers are using Zoom, the other half are not. Half right. of your students are logged in, the other are not. It's not some laziness or nefarious plan. They have no professional development yet. This is happening too quick. And so we were responding to, let's get everyone on the same platform mm -hmm. and make sure that they're connected and we can see their face. And then we'll worry about those next steps when we get to them. And honestly, it took till May or June for a lot of districts to just get the all the faces on the screen and everybody on the same platform so they were communicating with each other. Yeah, another aspect of this, which I think is ultimately a positive, is the um, the emphasis on social emotional learning, um, kind of t kind of uh, flipping it itself uh, from maybe something where the culture was looked at as a as a restrictive culture to one now where it's just kind of reaching out and making sure students are uh, safe, uh, right, and and in, in some sort of emotional uh, state where they can try to learn. Has that changed um, your thoughts on on the platform or any any new tools or features you see uh, coming out of that sort of flip? As you know, we have we have spent a uh, twenty years focusing on this very subject and trying to make sure that we keep students uh, mentally and physically safe, and uh, that that uh, has just been amplified. Of course, using our our alert product. And our safety tools, we're trying to determine if students are, are mentally at risk in any way. And of course, many of them are. Um, the, this is uh, a worsening situation for a lot of students who, who need to be around their teacher. You think about how powerful a teacher can be and being around your peers can be for a student with, with the best home environment. And then you start thinking about those students who have a, a less than ideal home environment and what that does to them mentally. So we've spent a lot of time and energy trying to perfect that. We're still working towards that. Obviously, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on the negative, but you've got a, a, a much, much fewer um, um, child abuse cases being reported. That's not because there's fewer of them. Yeah. That's because they're not going to school and no one's noticing. Right. And so um, we're just tracking everything we can, collecting as much data as we can to feed back to the school so they can get that student help if they need help or get them connected if they can get them connected. And it's, uh, it's a really important piece of, of what we're doing today. Uh, one other aspect of, of this mess uh, that seems that is in complete freefall and will probably need to be completely restructured are any any ideas of traditional assessment that education was using as soon as nine months ago, right? I mean, you look at you look at the mess that um, the SATs and ACTs are in. Um, mm -hmm. The fact that so many states didn't even uh, put out their standard tests in, in the spring, and then now, how do you diagnose somebody uh, who you didn't diagnose back in the spring? How do you see that shaking out? I mean, is is that something that's going to be organic, uh, where it's just going to be new sorts of assessment? Like, is this the chance for digital portfolios to finally emerge as a as a way to look at individual students and their work? It's a great question. Uh, I'm no expert here, but I've experienced the SAT, ACT with my oldest daughter and the uh, state uh, assessments with both of my children where they didn't have, and they, and they by the way, they go to one of the best uh, school districts who is the most progressive on all of this. And, and even they weren't able to get all of that sorted out in such a short time frame. 
So what we're seeing is um, a lot of uh, investment in uh, those those type of digital platforms who have some form of mastery and uh, assessment uh, tied to them that are separate from your standardized testing. And I think if I were uh, betting on this, I, I'd have a lot of faith in those types of companies and what they're able to accomplish and the content they can provide. And especially those who've, who've done a good job of, of letting students, look, I thought, I thought personalized learning or adaptive learning was still many, many years out. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if it still is or if it's going to speed up, but it certainly seems to me that everyone is not going to be on the same playing field anymore. And this gap could last a long time. And so if we could deliver the kind of uh, products that could get to mastery and, and, and be personalized or adaptive because people are going to be on different schedules, all the 16 year olds are not at the same level before they were not. Right. Uh, but all the 16 year olds now are even more uh, separated uh, due to connectivity or uh, what they had access to or whether or not their device showed up or, you know, which neighborhood they lived in. And so I'm optimistic that those types of tools will be more widely accepted and uh, that will help our students be educated and, and we can make up for this gap. And we don't know how long this gap is going to last. So even more reason to get excited about those types of products. Right. And speaking with um, executives in the ed tech space that are focused specifically on special education and also like a lot of, um, mental health, where uh, much like you folks, they had a telepresence already um, where they were setting that up and they found surges in requests uh, for folks to use their services, not just for, for special education. But they're finding that the more that this technology becomes solid state, and whether it continues to be Zoom or, 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 or you know, Google Meetup or, or Microsoft Teams or, or what have you, um, it seems that there's going to be an opportunity to serve more students, well, especially when you look at special ed services, right, that they might not be getting now. Um, that that one psychologist in the school who could only meet up with six students a day using Zoom might be able to double or triple the number of uh, folks that he or she is is dealing with. Is that something that you see on the horizon as well? I mean, it, it's advantages to this synchronous platform that now is zoom and awkward, but it, it can improve. You know, uh, short answer is yes. But I want to kind of clarify, look, I am in the software business and as a software vendor, believe that it is our job to make things much, much easier and much more automatic and um, make them uh, improve education in any way that we can. And I believe that is possible with machine learning and and lots of other great technology that's out there and i think zoom is a tremendous tool it in many ways you know not just zoom but i call them a leader in many ways video conferencing saved us uh, without that i have no idea what we would have been doing through this pandemic but i also want to make it clear that in my you know two plus decades of doing this you can't replace a teacher or the relationship that a teacher or the influence that a teacher can have with a student. And mm -hmm. so if we can scale it a little bit better, you know, in special needs or in other areas, of course we should do that. And, and I think there's value in that, but I'm, I am not a believer that um, we will automate technology in a way that um, 
computers are teaching the kids and teachers are less important. I think they're, they're more important than ever. And I saw that in my home and I've seen that in all of my customers. Um, you know, it's what an impact a teacher can make on a student, I think, is it's only the job of the technology to make sure that they can get to more of them or more often. You know, the past uh, few years, I I look back and I think about the, the focus of your company. And just when I think about it, it is the, the collection and the crunching of data and using that data to turn it into information uh, for not only administrators, but like down to the to the classroom level. And you, you just mentioned a few minutes earlier about your, your, your attempts to collect as much data as possible. Um, uh, should we start talking about artificial intelligence? I mean, is that kind of some next steps to when, it, we, talk, when know, we talk about data? We should, um, but, but I think it's, a, I think it's a, a little bit of a, a confusing subject for a lot of people. You hear the words artificial intelligence and machine learning and collecting data. And, and I think a lot of people jump to conclusions that probably uh, aren't as accurate. When you, Lightspeed talks about as business intelligence. Okay. Meaning we don't, we're not asking uh, uh, administrators or, or school district uh, employees or the board or the superintendent or, or your curriculum to have some strong understanding of artificial intelligence and machine learning. We're, we're suggesting is if we do a good job of collecting this data and we use anonymous aggregate data in a smart way and we protect student data privacy and we, we stay GDPR compliant, and we do the right things, then we can feed back business intelligence to decision makers all the way down to the classroom. So you can better understand how effective and, and equal uh, your software is and, and, or your curriculum is or, or how the education uh, process is going for your students. And so we're really excited about kind of taking it another step. Uh, you know, you, you almost want a C-level report mm-hmm. that allows you to make better decisions. And instead of uh, us feeding you some artificial intelligence results or a bunch of data, you want to know, like things are trending up in math in seventh grade. Uh, and uh, based on the data we've collected, we think that things are trending up in math in seventh grade because you're using a particular application or because the special needs students at your school have, you know, superior instructors and, and those instructors have the following practices that maybe others could benefit from, right? Yep. So we're trying to make it simple. But and it sounds like you're sticking on the on the analytic side as opposed to maybe uh, dipping into any sort of uh, pedagogy or personalized learning or anything like that. Yeah, we we just don't think that's our role. But what we think we could do uh, to help there is is because we have such a very large and diverse install base of K-12 customers using our software, because we can see deep into uh, how that how those students are interacting with applications, and because we can easily partner with student information systems and assessment uh, tools, the areas where we don't focus, we can um, integrate the grades and the attendance and the dropout rates and the graduation rates and the overall experience that a student has and a, and a district has with the software and the interaction that the student's having with their teacher and their um, products, the vendors that they interact with on a daily basis content. And, it, and maybe put those two together and give the district some business intelligence to 
continue to improve on a particular area. It comes down to PD, you know, yeah. it's, it's even like attendance is bad uh, for remote learning. And uh, uh, you might discover that's because a third of your teachers just don't haven't had enough professional development to get logged into G Suite and understand Google Hangouts because you initially told them to use Zoom and now right. they're confused. Right. It, it could be as simple as that. I, I think that's our role is, is less in, in driving content or personalized learning ourselves, but to be uh, a third party who's, who's just trying to give good data. And, and we don't know how you might use that data. Uh, you may view uh, the, the information that we give you as a, as a reason to stop using some software or start using a different software more often. Or you might decide that based on the data we just gave you, all you need to do is invest a little bit of professional development and everyone get up to the same speed. Got it. Got it. Well, we're, we're running out of time here, Ed, but usually I end up uh, these conversations asking for some short-term horizon and some, some long-term horizon uh, vision of where we are uh, during the pandemic short-term and then after the pandemic long-term. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping your, your glass is half full there. <laughs> My glass is, 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 uh, is very half full. I, I have had the, um, I've been lucky enough in my career over 21 years to partner with uh, K-12 specifically. And I've only ever met really enthusiastic people, leaders who made a decision to uh, try to improve students' lives and, and to improve education. Often they did that at the expense of, of uh, making more money or having more time off or having more freedom. And it's because they really, really care. And uh, especially on the tech side and the curriculum side of, of the people that I work with, they all have kind of the same goal, which is to succeed for the teacher and the student. And, and everything I'm seeing, uh, even during the pandemic, is uh, just a lot of people rolling up their sleeves and working really hard. Yeah. And it didn't go as fast as we wanted it to. And it's, we certainly don't want to get caught in the situation ever again. Um, so we're going to have a rapid acceleration of distance learning. And we're going to learn uh, more quickly than we ever have before. And uh, I'm really optimistic about all the vendors, my competitors included, uh, who are, are really digging deep, right? And yeah. just going as fast as we can. We're, we're putting more into R&D. We're hiring, you know, double the number of developers that we had before and just pushing as hard as we can to make sure that we can solve these problems. And uh, I think it's been... Gosh, it's really hard to say something positive has come out of this pandemic, but if you think about how long it's taken us collectively as an industry uh, to um, improve, this yeah. has forced us to go faster. And, and for that reason, I'm optimistic. Well, that's great. Well, once again, Brian, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk today. I look forward to the time where we can continue this conversation uh, over an adult beverage and a hotel lobby bar sometime. <laughs> Gosh, it's been too long. <laughs> I, I look forward to that too. Thanks again, Kevin. Okay. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Remote Possibilities. Uh, I hope you click around and find another one soon.